Here we go. Hey, Eric. Hi, Aaron. I have a story for you, something that happened since we last met. All right, I'm excited. We were at, uh, we were visiting my in-laws, and they said to me that their ward now has a guy who seems like a Berkeley person. A Berkeley, Berkeley person. A Berkeley ward person. Specifically a Berkeley Yes, ward. a Berkeley ward person, not a regular member of the church, someone who would wear an ugly Christmas sweater to pass the sacrament. Okay. And that description required them telling us about this. Okay. <laughs> ugly Christmas, specifically someone. Yes. I mean, because no normal Mormon would do that. Yeah, of course. No, it'd be crazy. <laughs> and, um, I mean, when we first moved here, and keep in mind, my in-laws grew up in San Leandro. They currently live on the peninsula. They've lived in the Bay Area their entire life. When we were moving to Berkeley, they were shocked to learn that there are members of the church in Berkeley. It had never occurred to them. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, so here's what I have to say about that. Berkeley really is different. Okay. I think it might be. I think it is. Listen, when my parents came and visit us here in Berkeley, that's one of the things I love about it, is they come down and they get to see just a kind of a different environment, a different kind of church. I mean, it's still the same church, of sure. course, because the church is the church is the church, but it just does feel to them like it's different. Um, why? Why does Berkeley Ward feel different? Well, I have... I, well, first of all, you're right. I, I realize there are two kinds of parents of Berkeley Ward members who okay. visit us. There's parents like your parents and my parents who are delighted by the slight change in flavor, but in the familiar surroundings. Yeah. And there are the parents who visit who need to stand up in testimony and correct the previous testimony. <laughs> Those are the two kind of parents we have visiting us. Okay. Um, a member of our ward a couple weeks ago, I think this is also since we last met, he, um, he keep in mind he's, uh, he has a PhD, he teaches at universities, he's moved from ward to ward that live in cities like Berkeley that hold universities. Mm -hmm. So um, if anyone had had a similar experience, you would expect it to be him. And I, I don't believe we're completely unique. I've heard things about like Cambridge, Massachusetts, for instance. Um, but he said, and I wrote it down, so this is a quotation, what's great about the ward, meaning the Berkeley ward, is that people can say whatever they think or believe without judgment. I've never experienced that in any other ward. It's really true. Fascinating testimony here. Just you just get a, a diaspora of yes. kinds of comments. Yeah, um, I mean, even I was thrown this Sunday mm -hmm. uh, when someone's testimony um, involved not essentially their testimony was, "I don't have to believe in the historicity of the Book of Mormon." Mm -hmm. That that's that threw me a little bit. Even that was a very interesting testimony. As was the harmonica. Yes, we had someone play harmonica. <laughs> I think it was. Um, with the prophet song, the one we stand up for. Yeah, that's right. I'm, he played a church. Oh my gosh, what's it called? Uh, we thank the O God for. We thank the O God for prophet. It was, it was a variation on the melody, but I'm pretty sure that's what he was playing. It really does feel different, which I like. Um, okay, so let's make a podcast. All right, let's do it. <laughs> so let's call it something crazy. Okay, let's call it something crazy. So look, the thesis, and the genesis of it is, um, you know. Let's just talk about stuff that we're interested in and, you know, stuff about the church, right? Yes. Right? What is, what are your, I think maybe we, before we go into the podcast name, we, we, how do we feel about the church just in general? Maybe we should put that on the open so people know where we're coming from. Sure. Um, I, I'm very comfortable answering this question. Mm -hmm. I'm an active member, both in terms of where my feet are on Sundays and in terms of my um, my beliefs and and my personality and and just who I am. Like, there's nowhere else for me to be. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. Yeah, I'm very comfortable with that. And in fact, 
something that I I say a lot to people who um, I don't say it a lot anymore. Something I used to say a lot before I moved to Berkeley is that I am the definition of an Orthodox member of the church. I still say it sometimes mm -hmm. because my point is in saying that is not that I am somehow a better member than other people or that my version of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the one true version. Mm -hmm. My point is that I am thoroughly a Latter-day Saint and nothing anybody else says can take that from me. Yeah. No one is more Latter-day Saint than I am. And if you don't like... You know, I've never actually worn an ugly Christmas sweater to pass the sacrament, but yeah. if I did and you didn't like it, it wouldn't change anything. Mm -hmm. I'm still 100% in the words of Joseph F. Smith as a youth, true blue through and through Mormon. I didn't write it down. That's not exactly right, but... That's fantastic. So this is along the lines that I feel too, right? I'm a true believer, as they say, right? In the sense of... But it's like in two different means. I love the church as a place to be, mm -hmm. right? And I love the church as a thing to think about. All right. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm interested. I'm interested in history. I'm interested in doctrine. I'm interested in, um, in modern issues. I'm interested in the culture. I'm just, um, I put it on our about page that oh, um, you changed it. I did. Oh, okay. I, I, used, I added a disclaimer. I said, we are not affiliated. That's affiliated. probably smart. We are not affiliated with the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then I said, we're fans. <laughs> Hi. Alright, we got interrupted. We've moved to rooms. <laughs> Hopefully this sounds a little better. Okay, so I was saying that we changed the website. Now it says, um, oh yes, in addition to its disclaimer, now it also says that we're fans. We're fans of the church. I think that's I think that's a, a good way to describe it because um, as a fan, I'm looking to understand more about it. Like I want to pursue my fandom. That's right. right? But I'm also not a fan, like I almost want to think about it, right? I want to come to grips with the realities of the church and the intricacies of it. So we have a name of we have our a podcast. Name. The name of the podcast is Face and Hat. Yes. Okay, but it has a subtitle. We'll come back to the first part in a second. The subtitle is LDS Miscellany Through a Berkeley Lens, which I think you came up with. I think it's fantastic. Could be. We made a long list of options. Yeah, I don't we, remember who said well, what. We definitely went around the, around the bend thinking about podcast titles. <laughs> so um, the reason I like this name so much, every word seems just very very carefully picked. We're looking at LDS miscellany, so that means that we're kind of not going to be too serious about it, and we're going to be thinking about stuff that we like. Interesting little nuggets and things. Right, and miscellany includes little unimportant things. Little unimportant things. That's as well as big, I mean, it includes everything, of course, yeah, because yeah. everything fits in that umbrella, but yeah, it's we're focused on big stuff, things. But um, I love the little things. And then through a Berkeley lens. So we started already talking about why Berkeley is so interesting to us. And I do think that living in Berkeley and being a member of the Berkeley Board changes you. I base that. My primary piece of evidence for that is the number of people who give weepy testimonies the week they leave oh, about yeah. um, how when they came here, they didn't understand it, they didn't like it, and they love it here, and they're going to miss it, and they hope to take Berkeley with them. Yeah. Our hope is that, well, this is originally your idea. What is our hope in your opinion, Aaron? <laughs> so um, our hope for this, for this podcast is that people can listen to it and either learn things or just enjoy talking about the church. The um, idea isn't really to convert people. The idea isn't really to bring people away, of course. The idea isn't to, um, to win some debate or anything like that. These are thoughts that I've had about the church 
and um, about the doctrines and about the people and about the culture. And I just wanted to have somebody to talk to to about it. Um, I've been a, a finance clerk for for uh, quite some time now, many years. Yes. And uh, it's been wonderful. I've loved being a finance clerk. But but one of the necessities of that is that I've been down in the basement of the church. Mm. So I've been kind of literally, away, literally, in literally in the basement yes. in our case. And I haven't really been able to participate in as many of the lessons. I haven't been able to teach. I haven't been able to And now to we have talk. half as many. And now we have half as many because of two-hour church. And so I just wanted another outlet for talking about it. So here we are. Sure. Um, so can, we, can I interrupt you before you move on to your next point? Yeah. I, Although I agree with everything you said, I do think that a natural consequence of this kind of discussion is that knowing that it's okay to talk about these things gives you space to exist. Uh, and some people need this. I, I have some literary examples later, but mm -hmm. people need a place to talk about these things. And if they think they can't talk about them, and um, some words do have a culture where you can't talk about miscellany, mm -hmm. if you can't talk about that stuff and it's troubling you, then where are you going to go? You're have to gonna go somewhere else. Okay, so let's get into um, the whole idea of critical thinking. I think people in the church have a bad uh, rap towards the word critical. Okay. Sure. Okay. Actually, most people do. Most people think of oh, critical think as negative. It, it's true. Yeah, that's really Ask true. Ask every author I've met who's uh -huh. crying because somebody said something true about their book. In fact, there's just a new Magic the Gathering card just came out. Oh my gosh. It's called Skewer the Critics. <laughs> and it's fantastic. It does damage and it's like, it's a fantastic card. Now it's got this guy on a stage just throwing an axe right into the crowd. It's like, get out of here. <laughs> so you're right. Critics does have a, have a negative connotation. The words critical thinking um, has a very specific meaning, okay, when it comes to uh, thinking about thinking. Because that's really what critical Metacognition. thinking is. Yeah. It's not, it's not negative, right? It's not disparaging. It's thinking about thinking. And so... Um, There's also a humility involved there. Right, right. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in exactly this thing. Okay, so here's a quote from, of course, Wikipedia. I love it. Okay, and it says, thinking about one's thinking in a manner designed to organize and clarify, raise the efficiency of, and recognize errors and biases in one's own thinking. I like that. Um, I would broaden it just slightly uh -huh. and say that critical thinking is also part, I mean, this is not different from what it says, but critical thinking is also thinking critically, not just about your own thoughts, but about the other thoughts that are being given to you through media or other people or however other ideas are coming to you. That's right. As opposed to just accepting them. Right. It's not. It's a, it's a gated thinking. You could think of it that That's, way. That way. Um, continuing the quote, it says, a critical thinking is inward directed with the intent of maximizing the rationality of the thinker. Okay? One does not Love use it. critical thinking to solve problems. One uses the critical thinking to improve one's process of thinking. So, critical thinking is involved with recognizing biases, recognizing um, parts of yourself that are not open to change, and trying to investigate why, yes. and maybe accepting that they're not open to change, but maybe deciding to let them be open, right? So sure. here's my definition is a careful, reasoned, and well-documented examination of the integrity of an argument, okay? Sounds good. So integrity being the, the critical here. We're pro-integrity right? on face and hat. Yes, indeed. Okay, so face and hat. Why? So how does this relate to the to the title, face and hat? So I think um, it's interesting, actually, Aaron, because you've had much more feedback from these episodes than I have. Yeah. 
And uh, your feedback has been both positive and negative, as one would expect. If yeah. it wasn't both positive and negative, then somebody's lying. Right. Exactly. Right. So, like, that doesn't bother me. Uh, in fact, I'm glad because that means people are interacting no matter how they felt about it. Yeah, for every positive or negative comment, there's a bunch more that never even bothered to talk. Right, about. and so it's it's good to hear both sides too. Uh, but I think one of the things that people who felt negatively about it, some people who felt negatively about it, is that the whole face and hat thing is weird, mm -hmm. which was um, it was kind of intentional. Official unofficial policy for like uh, over a hundred years, right? <laughs> face and hat is weird. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, the way I feel about it mm -hmm. is by... Let's be specific. Yes. Be specific. So when we say that um, face and hat, we're referring to Joseph Smith with his we're, face and hat. That's right. If you've, if you've uh, listened Listen. to episode one, fans... This is, by the way, episode zero. We're retconning this episode to be the first in the series. Yes, but I still want it to show up third because that's how stupid comics work. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right. Speaking of fandom. Okay, so face and hat. This image, this weird image of Joseph Smith with his face and a hat... Yeah. Uh, by adopting this as our as our logo as our name, we are reclaiming this image. Yeah, that's with right. this, it's a reclamation project. We're saying like this is how Joseph Smith received revelations from God, and not that we're not that we are making any claims of spreading revelations on this podcast. Oh no, <laughs> much the, being much very the, clear, maybe much to the contrary. Yes, <laughs> uh, but we are willing to embrace the weird things, and if that means sticking our face in a hat to talk to God, like. Isn't that worth it? Isn't it worth looking a little silly to talk to God? What's really nice about the analogy is not only is it a reclamation, because I, mm -hmm. I agree that that's the case, but if you, if, you let the, um, if you think about it, it represents other things. For example, yes. it, it recognizes um, like <sighs> privacy and like wanting to remove the world around you so that you can really think about it. Light from darkness. Right, light from darkness. It's like immersing yourself in solitude so that you can consider what's going on around you, right? And um, which is kind of what he did here. I mean, it, he was he was communing with the Lord directly and by shutting out the world around him, right? And um, when you're listening to a podcast, that's one of the things you're doing is you're kind of shutting out the world around you. And you get to enter this world that um, hopefully your hosts are creating. And um, and maybe maybe learn something, maybe go along with them for the ride. I love podcasts. I, re I, I just I love them because of this journey that they take us on. Um, also, I love the the um, I love the affiliation of the of the imagery with languages. All right, that's in my notes. Okay, well, go for it. I was just going to. I, it's it's a four letter phrase. It's not meaningful. I'm sure you have more to say, but I wrote down interpretation of old languages. Mm -hmm. Because I feel that's sort of what we're doing. Joseph Smith, by looking at nothing, was able to interpret old languages, whether um, he used uh, the hat when he was doing the Book of Mormon. I'm not sure, but I think he also used it with the Book of Abraham. I don't know if you know that. No, oh, I don't. I, I think so, but I'm, I'm not positive. Could be wrong. Leave a note in the comments. <laughs> um, but I think that's what we're doing, right? When we look at LDS Miscellany, we're looking at old languages, whether it's something like... Um, Specifically, Joseph Smith, right? That was well before my time. It was before your time. We are roughly the same age. Roughly. Uh, that's old. It's a long time ago. We, none of us are there. None of us are eyewitnesses to this. We are interpreting the documents and the information we have the best we can. And if we want to do it the best we can, not just in terms of accuracy, but in terms of what's good for us as children of God, then we're going to rely on this sort of face and hat philosophy of looking into the darkness and trusting God to show us the light. Yeah. Language is such a critical part of our environment and 
it is so hard to communicate effectively. It is so hard to find the words that um, express the oh, your soul, your soul's thoughts, right? It is so easy to screw it up. Okay, so that's the genesis of the name. Um, we're not going to have too many meta podcasts. Can, can I uh, talk about my two literary examples real quick? You can. Uh, normally, so I am currently, Aaron, uh -huh. to uh, boast, mm -hmm. I am cur the current president of the Association for Mormon Letters, a scholarly group that studies Mormon literature. Okay, awesome. And uh, so I'm going to try to sneak lit into almost every podcast we do. Great. Uh, normally that will not be nonfiction because... <laughs> I have my biases. But I am, I'm going to talk about nonfiction now. And I'm going to talk about two books briefly by um, women who've left the church. Mm -hmm. And for almost an identical reason. And for um, reasons that our podcast could potentially ameliorate. Although, again, that's not our purpose. Yeah. Our purpose is just to talk. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one is um, uh, Elna Baker's The New York Regional uh, Singles Dan Oh, crap. New York Regional New York Regional Singles Dance. No, it's too short. Anyway, it's a really long title. Halloween. Yes, Halloween Dance. There, I knew I was missing a word. So, have you read it? No, but I cheated a bit and looked for it in the, in oh, the show you're notes. Smart. And, and looked at your review. Yes, so uh, Elna's very funny. She uh, is a professional comedian, professional writer. She just done things for This American Life. She's their resident expert, which drives me crazy because now that she doesn't go to church um, and she hasn't for a while her ideas about what it means to be Mormon are, are frozen in this place that caused her to leave the church which mm -hmm. was kind of an um, immature understanding in my opinion mm -hmm. um, the second one is uh, Tara Westover's um, Educated which is excellent and blowing up the charts right now mm -hmm. and it's similar uh, she grows up in a very strange sort of uh, apocalyptic Mormon family in Idaho not far from my hometown in fact interesting and uh, she leaves the church, and, and their stories are not identical. In fact, they're very different. But the thing they share in common is part of the reason they leave the church is because they were never given the tools to deal with things, to deal with, to deal with information that doesn't fit into the church as they understand it. Um, Elna, for instance, the thing that I remember her talking about the most, the thing that bothered her the most is like, holy crap, if cloning is possible, they can't have souls. My testimony just fell apart mm. because That's cloning never came up in church. Like... That suggests she did not have critical thinking skills when it came to her religion. I did a lot of cloning in grad school. <laughs> did those things have souls, they Aaron? Did, they did not. <laughs> but I did do a lot. But the thing is, bio, okay, we're good, because you brought it up, we yes. have to do a bit of biochemistry now. Cloning actually has many meanings in biochemistry, one of which is creating duplicates of animals, but others is just general DNA manipulation. It's going on right now in my own body. That's right, right, exactly. So I did a lot of cloning in grad school. And it was really fun. <laughs> but that's interesting. And so, yeah, um, yeah listen, uh, my mom had this, had this analogy, right, of, of a pearl necklace. And every, the way the pearl necklace works is that um, you have knots in between the beads on the strings. So if you drop the necklace, the whole thing doesn't just shatter. Okay. Right? You don't lose all your pearls. You Smart. have all these knots, right? And so these tools... It takes extra time, but saves time in the does, long run. It, it does, exactly. And so as you get these little bits of your testimony, you put, a little, you put a little knot on them. And that way, when you hit this roadblock... This is right, a beautiful analogy. You hit the roadblock, and you drop the necklace, and it breaks, right? Elder Holland, are you listening? This is good stuff. <laughs> you, can, you can thank Mom. I mentioned Elder Holland because <laughs> I think he's the best metaphorist. Oh, great. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, sometimes... 
it's really interesting when you have these crisis moments, these moments of doubt. So let's talk about the which word, are inevitable, which are inevitable if um, you're honest with yourself. And and doubt is really something that happens to everybody, at least anybody who's paying attention. If you are anxiously engaged, if you are thinking about the church that you live in, the religion that you ascribe, if you are thinking critically about your own thoughts, you will arrive at questions, right? Naturally. Naturally. And if you are not prepared for arriving at those questions, then your necklace will shatter, right? Then you will you will have this roll under the oven, this crisis, right? Um, and so, if you understand how critical thinking works, and that you just need to figure out what's going on and talk about it, then you can get your way through it, and it's really can be a positive experience for you. Okay, so that's, yes. that was just my immediate visceral reaction to these literal, these right. literary and references that you have. So, I think that the church is doing better at this when Elna or Tara or you or I were being raised in the church. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot more openness about the natural messiness of a human institution like a church. Yeah. It's the church isn't just Jesus, right? The church is people. And I'm glad that the church is doing things like the Joseph Smith Papers Project and the Gospel Topics essays and other things that are open about um, stuff that is, have caused people to bump into a fact that they can't, that there's no spot for in in their mental imagination of how the church is and what the gospel means. And, and I think that that's good because doubt is inevitable because faith is not knowledge. And therefore, we need to understand how to deal with doubt through faith. Mm -hmm. Let's resolve that, that concern. Um, if we could clone humans, would they have souls? I think so. Yeah, okay. Um, next. <laughs> All right, good. So uh, where, I, where I wanted to go next, I know you have stuff on your list too, so jump in, interrupt me anytime you want, but um, St. Paul, and I say that so you don't think I'm talking about Paul somebody else, but... Mm -hmm. Paul Simon. Yeah, Paul Simon, who has some wisdom, mm -hmm. be sure, to be sure, but as we learn on Graceland, that uh, he does not recognize the existence of modern prophets. So, <laughs> okay. Paul, if you want to talk, yeah, we'd be happy here. to have yeah, you on the we'll podcast. Get you on. Yeah, um, So, St. Paul, I, I am grossly paraphrasing here. He never says what I'm about to say, but if you look at the letters and the way they're written and the way they deal with issues, I think that it is fair to say that St. Paul would agree the church is local. Every ward, uh, the ward, to use our terminology as opposed to Paul's, the ward is the fundamental unit of the church. Maybe the stake, but but something really local. Ward. Something local is the fundamental unit of the church. And that's where the church happens. That's where we deal with one another and with our faith and with um, our God. And so ultimately the local church needs to meet the needs of the local people. And I do believe the church is designed for that, but we're not always great at it. I think, I think that's one thing that makes this unusual is we are a ward for the people who live here. And I'm not sure, and I'm not knocking anyone's ward. I'm just basing this on personal experience and what people tell me. And like, not every ward is meeting that need. My experiences with wards have always been positive, but I agree with you me that too. the church has been been changing its organization and its structure. To I agree to kind of fit the more modern environment that we live in, which has which is just lovely, and the amount of openness that we've seen, um, 
I mean, openness is kind of the wrong word, because it makes it sound like if they were open now, it means they were closed before. When in reality, I think the, the situation was that... I think the situation was that people didn't have the instant communication, right? They didn't yeah. have the... Or the interest, right? I've got a farm. Man, I've got <laughs> I've gotta survive. And then when you get when you get into the you know, the, the earliest part of the last century, people are you know, they're surviving but they're working hard and there's wars, right, and rumors of wars. And the amount of the ability of people to just talk about and look at these old documents and piece together what really happened in the church in the old days. It just became more and more and more interesting, and it's not that the church was ever closed about this. Like they had other stuff to do, right? The church, yeah. like even if you look twenty years ago, even thirty years ago, when I was a kid, the focus of the church um, was still the same as it is now, right? Um, yeah, but they don't think. I don't think, you know, if you talk to some people, they would say, "Oh no, we've been talking about this stuff all the time," and maybe this is just me um, recognizing. And just looking around myself and seeing yeah. the culture around me that I never saw before. I think you're being a little kinder than the evidence warrants, but on balance, I agree with you. Like, mm -hmm. I, I agree that the purpose of the church mm -hmm. hasn't changed, the goals haven't changed. Um, I do think some people were afraid that certain knowledge was dangerous and would hurt people, mm -hmm. but to go back to Paul, like, fear is not, you know, a perfect love casteth out all fear. And and um, I think that I think that's reflected, but that's a bigger topic for another day if we want to revisit it. Okay. Um, in essence, I agree with you. Maybe not on the details. Yeah, and again, this is all about communication. It's really hard for me to um, explain these things, and and that's and that's why it's important that people realize that a podcast is a living thing, right? Nothing, even though this is episode zero, and we're kind of stating our intent. Our intent is to use critical and rational thinking to examine the history and intricacies of the church, right? It's a living thing, and we will probably revisit topics and make corrections and laugh about things. And, and to quote Emerson, yeah. who is not LDS, but um, I think is awesome, uh -huh. and, and comes out of the same milieu as Joseph Smith, but with consistency, a great soul has nothing to do. If we are not willing to change our minds and admit that we were wrong about something in a previous episode, then we are failing at our entire purpose for being. Our purpose for this podcast is to talk about things and examine them and think about them. And if you can't change your mind, then you're not thinking. Okay, let's do a specific example. All right, let's do it. We're gonna do an we're gonna do a thought exercise. Thought exercise. And I want to give an example of how to use critical thinking when talking about religion. When talking about religion. Okay, so here's the question. I'm ready to go. So. Um, it's a very simple question, but it is a theological one, and you need to be fairly... Okay, here we go. <laughs> is it necessary to be baptized to be forgiven of your sins? I, that is a nice, simple question. Is it necessary to be baptized to receive... A be for, forgiven. Be, for, be forgiven of your sins. That's 12 words. 12 words. I have never heard that question before. Okay. Now... That's a great question. What we're going to do is we're going to apply critical thinking... To answering this question, okay, we're going to use the principles of Euclid, like we did in the in last episode. One of the what do you, what did Euclid say? Um, something about square. Is, first, he said it is not. Yes, he did say that. Hypotenuses. <laughs> and I'm not sure this is a quote directly. This is more like what did the math page? He say? spoke Greek. So. It is not possible to prove every statement. Nevertheless, we should prove as many oh, yes, statements this as one. possible. That's right. The statements, which is to say, the statements we do not prove, should be as few as possible. 
they are called the first principles. Got it. So first principles are things like axioms, things like right. postures. For clarity's sake, we're not talking about first principles and ordinances. We're not. We're not. We're talking about logic. Yes. Okay, and the principles of logic. So and definitions. Definitions are definitions are big. So when you look at this question, is it necessary to be baptized to receive forgiveness of sins? You need to think about your definitions. What does baptism mean? What is a sin? What does necessary mean? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and you need to make sure that you understand how to communicate yes. the question. Got it. Okay. What is the genesis behind this question, by the way, if, if you're curious? Um, it's something that I came that I, I, I asked I, I asked my mission president this 20 years ago and he didn't know how to answer it so if you think that this is that there's a simple qu answer to this question I, I don't think that there is I don't think there is by our doctrine yeah so the question I asked him but we don't know and um, <clears throat> came from when you actually back in the day when you used to teach the missionary discussions you would teach them in the order of the fourth article of faith you do teach the first principles right that's right um, the first principles are faith repentance baptism and immersion and it's repentance for the forgiveness of sin and baptism for the remission of sins right right and it was in the left in the and it used to teach repentance so that you could be forgiven and we know that people who enter the terrestrial kingdom will have accepted christ right? yes and christ will will um have paid for their sins but they also did not receive the baptism to enter the celestial kingdom see told you we'd go deep okay <laughs> so that means that um you don't need to be baptized forgiveness of your sins except okay. that if you say that it feels incorrect i think we have a lot of hang-ups on sins yeah i've been realizing that i read an article on um by common consent last week about worthiness and i've been thinking about the issues of what does it mean to be worthy mm -hmm. and i think these are complicated questions we don't think children need to be forgiven but we also say they're not committing sins but we these are complicated things. Like two, two equally Latter-day Saint people, one could believe that God is anxious to punish sinners and is anxious to push as many people out of the celestial kingdom as possible, and somebody else could believe in universal salvation. When given enough time, everyone will accept Jesus and accept approximate baptism and make it to the celestial kingdom. Yeah. I've talked to people on both who believe both those things, which are very different very ways different. of interpreting our, you betcha. our theology. So the point here today isn't to answer this question. But good. it's to identify an interesting question <laughs> yes. and to identify how to think about it. So if a good answer for this question will have citations, right? It will be it will have integrity, right? It right. will stand up to criticism and um, it will be and it will, and because this is the church and because these are doctrinal principles, it feels like there should also be a kind of confirm you know, maybe this is more and I want to go into, but it kind of feels like it should, you know, resonate in some way. <laughs> yes, but I would say that it also should not, the answer to this question should not be, therefore, what a testimony is dependent upon to exist. Right. This is just interesting to think about. You don't have to answer this question to join the church. In fact, it was in the discussions for people going into the church, right? Okay, so that's enough about that question. Just Quick uh, vocabulary uh -huh. for... People who are listening who are not Latter-day Saints, we use testimony, the word testimony, to mean a statement of faith, and sort of behind that, um, our actual faith. We use testimony almost as if it's equivalent to the word faith. Not quite, but that's different from how it's used in other Christian faiths. So that's, just want to throw that out there. That's interesting. Okay. So that's an example of critical thinking. Um, critical thinking is a humble way of living. Let's go back to what you said earlier. It's an acknowledgement of the known unknowns. 
heard that phrase before? Yes. You know who I said have. it? Uh, I do not think that our former Secretary of Defense, Rumsfeld, was the first to say it. It goes back before him. It goes back before yeah. him. You're right. But it is attributed to Rumsfeld. And Largely because he did fun things with it. Uh -huh. Exactly. <laughs> and at the time he was kind of made fun of, but nowadays it's kind of widely accepted. So the full phrase is, you know, there are known knowns, there are known unknowns, right? And there are unknown unknowns. Right. The, um, the things you know you know, those are the obvious, right? Right. I know that Eric is wearing just a fantastic pair of plaid pants right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> They're actually pajama pants. Don't tell Aaron. <laughs> so what, what do I know I don't know? There's so much in this category. And the larger, the longer I live, the larger it gets. And this also, is real humility. You fool, you got a PhD, so you know so many more things that you don't know. Exactly. <laughs> I only have a bachelor's. I can be much cockier than you. So there's so many things that I know I don't know. I don't know anything about so many subjects. And then when I think about the things I don't know that I don't know, it's just a disaster. Right? <laughs> and so critical thinking is a, you recognize this fact, and it's humbling, and it's great. And you think... Wow, let's talk about it, and maybe we can move some things from one category. Also, I think to it's another. key to integrity. Oh, okay. I think yeah. recognizing that you don't know things is a necessary recognition if you want to be a person of integrity. You know, it's interesting you say that. Um, when I talk to people about things like healthcare and um, you know military spending, nice, you know, safe topics. Right. Um, I tell them that I am agnostic when it comes to this. Okay? <laughs> That's a great way to phrase it. Yeah. I like that. Okay, that doesn't mean that I don't have opinions. Sure. It's that I, it's just that I recognize that I'm not an expert. And I believe, pro and whoever I'm talking to probably isn't either. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Although they might think they are. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I don't know what the answer is. You don't know what the answer is. We can talk about it, but at the end of the day, neither of us really know what's going on with military yes. spending and with healthcare. That's right. why... That's why people like us don't run for the Senate. <laughs> That's right. They Because we know we're not experts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Can I, speaking of this whole question of critical thinking, I'm going to take one of my notes here. Mm -hmm. I, the scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants that talks about slothful servants, I think as Latter-day Saints, we usually interpret that to mean, uh, hey, there's bulletins left on the pews. I don't have to wait for somebody else to pick it up. I can pick it up myself, right? Nobody has to tell me to pick it up. I see they need to be picked up. I'm picking them up. I've been called to this calling. I don't need to wait for someone to tell me that I need to be there on time to the activity I'm running. I can just do that. I can show up early and make sure it's open. I think that this idea of slothful servants, though, is bigger than that. I think it also reflects our responsibility to engage with the doctrine intellectually and emotionally and spiritually and really engage with it and not just accept little things we're told and not that I'm saying we question the doctrine but that we have to like grapple with what it means. So the idea behind um, not being a, a slothful servant comes back to the core idea of an integrity, right? And it is, right. it is to look at the doctrines of the church and first of all um, we do believe in absolute truth, I think. Right? We do, but right. we do believe. We also something. believe, I think, in being humble about whether or not we understand what that is. That's what I'm trying to get at. And the idea when you engage in the doctrines of the church is to recognize that you might not understand the church correctly, uh, um, and you might not really, you might not have a good understanding. And your current understanding that you've had for decades might actually not be the right way to think about it. 
So I like to, I just like to think and talk about this stuff. And so let's just do a podcast. About well, it. and do we believe that our religion is rigorous enough to stand up to this kind of close examination? That's such a great question. So, um, do we believe our ri- our religion? Let's go through this bit by bit. Do we really believe our religion is rigorous enough to stand up to close consideration? Um, I recently reviewed a paper. You scientists reviewing I, papers all I the did. time. I yes. do. I was asked to review a paper. So uh, one of my colleagues sent it to me. I downloaded it off of the internet. I read through it once, read through it twice, and I looked for the integrity of the paper, right? Good. I examined it. Saving your friend from a retraction later. <sighs> the paper was pretty okay. Like, it was fine, but it was really missing a couple of key things. It was missing citations, for one thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> He's a professional, I assume. <laughs> and it was just missing um, some few points, like at, talking about what's truly novel in the paper. Um, that kind of a close consideration should be applied to every aspect of your life. Sure. You should look at yourself and at the things you believe and examine them regularly. Right? Should is a heavy word. And every is a heavy word. Like, I, I agree with what you're saying, but that sounds exhausting. It does sound exhausting. I don't know if it's reasonable to expect people to examine every element of their life at all times. Okay, fair enough. That's a good point. <laughs> like, I really enjoy playing Isaac the Gathering, and sometimes I don't want to do anything but that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that you need to dedicate yourself to a life, a life of, monk, of monkism. I'm saying that, um, you know, maybe just think about what you're doing. I completely agree, and I do think that it's impossible to consider the known unknowns at all times. Every I, but I when I, I when I notice something, when I discover something that is wrong about my belief system, I feel obliged to consider that thing. And sometimes I don't know what to do with it. Um, and I'm not talking about religion necessarily, like politics. I've changed my mind on politics a lot of my life. Uh, my understanding of certain scientific concepts has changed. Here's a fun one that you'll like as a biologist. Uh, in the 90s, they did a survey of BYU students, and the number who accepted biology was in the teens, I believe. Mm-hmm. And if you, evolution. Ev- ev- what did I say? Biology. Oh, yeah. I was just guessing about meaning evolution. <laughs> I meant evolution, you're right. Uh, but now, they, did, they recently did another survey, and now I want to say it's in the, the 60s. We, we, will, we will find this evidence and put it in, in, in the, the notes, notes. In the notes. Yeah. So, which we do have. We have extensive show notes. Yes, we do that every episode. If you didn't notice, uh, you can go and click on all the links. And Find the links backward about. to Podbean, which is where we're currently hosted. Yeah. As Latter-day Saints, we believe in eternal progression, that we can become better and better and more and more like God as time goes on, if we are sincere in our efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, if, but we also recognize, else we would not have a Savior, that eternal progression includes a necessity for failure. We must fail in order to progress. And this is true in science. Yeah, a lot. This is, this is true in any field of endeavor where you have to make mistakes. You have to get it wrong over and over again to get better at something, to learn. And I think that's what Face and Hat is about. We are not making any claims about being right. We're just making claims about trying. Mm-hmm. And we should be getting things wrong or else we're not actually trying. If we're just repeating platitudes, we're wasting everyone's time. If we're really engaging with this stuff, then we're going to make mistakes and we're going to say things wrong. And I personally am totally fine with that because I do believe our faith is rigor enough, rigorous enough to withstand that kind of attention. And so I say let's stick our faces in the hats and see what there is to see. <laughs>